1 Thessalonians chapter 5, I direct your attention to verses 16 through 18. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Bow with me and let's pray. Father, thank you for your presence among us this morning. Incline our hearts towards you, Lord. Father, the things we read in this passage are nothing new to us. But Father, practicing them daily is often a challenge. So we ask for your help, O oh God. We can't do it apart from you. We need your spirit to fill us. We need you to direct our thinking towards you and to incline our hearts to seek you above all else. So Father, this morning as we come to the time of the proclamation of your word, we ask for you to be glorified. And we plead with you to meet us at our point of need. Glorify your name, O Lord. Through Jesus Christ, our Savior, we pray. And the church said, Amen. I've often thought of Thanksgiving as the overlooked holiday. I mean, we just finished up the Halloween season and Americans spent billions, billions of dollars on candy and costumes. And of course, Christmas is just around the corner and of course, there will be billions upon billions of dollars spent there for gifts and decorations. And sandwiched in between those two consumer mountain peaks is little old Thanksgiving. Doesn't get the press of other holidays. It's a little bit harder to commercialize. I mean, after all, unless you're in the food industry, there's not a lot you can do as far as commercializing Thanksgiving. But I've come to realize that Thanksgiving is not overlooked. We're coming into what is recognized as one of the busiest travel weeks of the year. It's estimated that on Wednesday over 51 million people, 51 million Americans will travel more than 50 miles to spend time with family. 51 million people. That's not being overlooked. We come together. But what happens though is that it's not the coming together that's overlooked. It's actually taking time to give thanks. I mean, after all, hasn't Thanksgiving become known not as the day of giving thanks, but as Turkey Day? Have a good Turkey Day. Enjoy Turkey Day. Don't be a turkey on turkey day. It's easy to overlook gratitude. And many do give thanks, but they never stop to ask, who are they thank thanking? It's just kind of this ubiquitous, well, be thankful, but who's receiving the thanks? As Christians, we should set the example in giving thanks. And not just one time a year. We should set the bar in giving thanks daily. 
But all too often as believers, we fall into the same entitlement mindset that surrounds us. We come to believe that the blessings we have received are what we are owed. That in some way we deserve them. In some way, if we don't get what we think we deserve, then God is unfair. And often we fall into the same patterns of behavior as the non-believer by becoming too busy to really stop and to give thanks. I don't want to show a hands, but how many of you have already started thinking about everything you've got to do this week to get ready to either travel or for people coming in and already you're thinking, Lord, I thank you this will be over soon. We let busyness rob us of the business of giving thanks unto God. But I want to make a bold statement right now. If we live our lives without being thankful, and if you and I as believers do not engage in thanking God every day, we are sinning against God. In fact, this passage teaches us that if we are not praising God, if we are not praying to God, and if we are not thanking God, we are sinning against God. Now the reason I make that bold statement is because of what is found at the end of verse 18. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Now that phrase refers to the three commands that have preceded it. Rejoice, pray, and give thanks. If you've ever wondered what God's will is for your life, there it is. It is God's will for you to praise Him, to pray to Him, and give thanks to Him. And because that is God's will, if we are not engaging in those activities, we are rebelling against the will of God. And that's what sin is. That's how serious this is. These three things are to be fundamental practices of every Christian. That's where the rubber hits the road. If a person comes to you and they say, well, I'm a swimmer, but they never get in the water and swim, they're not a swimmer. If I were to brag to you, I'm a pianist, and one morning I'm going to get up here and I'm going to play that piano just like Julie does, which would be another proof of God's existence. If I brag about playing the piano, but I never sit down and play, I'm not a pianist. If I say I am a Christian, but I do not make it a regular practice to praise to pray and to give thanks. My life does not match my profession. And I am not living up to what I profess. The first fundamental giving to us, given to us is in verse 16. Rejoice. That means that praise should have a persistent presence upon our lips. That praise unto God should fill our minds and our mouths just like air fills our lungs. We are to be a people categorized by praise unto God. The problem is not with the command to rejoice. Rejoice means to praise. That's not the problem. The problem for us is the one word qualifying how we are to praise. We are to praise always. In all times, we are to praise. In all circumstances, we are to praise God. 
And that's the problem today. How do I praise God in difficult circumstances and still be authentic? In the middle of grievous circumstances, how can I really praise God and it be real? God is not honored by fraudulent praise. He knows when we are simply putting on the mask of the good Christian and praising Him. That does not honor God. People around us are not moved by inauthentic praise. And such inauthenticity often breeds dry rot of the soul. You know what dry rot is? It's like you're in the woods and you see a log and it looks firm and sturdy until you place your foot on it and it collapses because the inside of it had rotted away despite the outward appearance. When we praise God but our hearts are not in it, we will begin to experience a dry rot of the soul where inwardly there is anger and bitterness while outwardly we are portraying something else and it will kill us spiritually. So what do we do then? We can't just ignore the command always. What we must do is to focus on the truths that our circumstances can't touch. When you're in that moment of pain and the grief is great, rather than focusing on the things that are temporal, and they are real, we do not deny them, but instead we choose to focus on the things that are eternal, and that means that praise is rooted in the character of God because God is eternal and never changes. Now in the week, this past week, when I was preparing for Psalm 138, I had done a survey of the Thanksgiving Psalms. And what I found is that those psalms of thanksgiving are written in a variety of circumstances. Sometimes they're written on the mountaintop when it is easy to say, Lord, I praise you. And sometimes they're written in the valley when the enemy has surrounded you and you say, Lord, I praise you. And what I found is that in each of the psalms of thanksgiving, there are three common characteristics for which they praise God. You don't know how to praise God because your circumstance is bad. First, praise Him for His faithful, steadfast love. Hebrews refer to it as hesed. It's a precursor to agape. It's a love that never changes or fails. And the reason we can praise God for that, even when the problems seem to be mounting up against us like a tidal wave, we can still praise God for His steadfast love because of the cross of Jesus Christ. The cross and the resurrection are guarantees that God's love is not fickle. God does not love us one minute and then ignore us the next. God is faithful in His love. He is consistent. And the cross is the reminder that God's love has given us His very best when we were at our worst. And not only did God give us His best, He suffered the worst because of our sins. And if God has given that much for me and that much for you, He is not And will not ever forget us or ignore us. His steadfast love never changes. Praise Him for that. This leads us to the second reason to praise God. His faithfulness. God's true to His word. Believer, He's told you, I will never leave you nor forsake you. He's faithful to that. 
He is faithful to the fact, the truth, that all things work together for the good of those that love God and are called according to His purpose. He is faithful to His word. He has made a covenant with you and I that He will never forsake. Now, covenant is a relationship word. In other words, God has made a covenant with us through Jesus Christ, making an unbreakable relationship, and He is faithful to it. We've been adopted into His family, made one of His own, transferred from the kingdom of darkness into the domain of the light. And God has said, I will be faithful to that word. Which leads us to the third thing to praise Him for. His deliverance. As the psalmist was thanking God, he thanked God for His steadfast love. He thanked God for His faithfulness. And he thanked God that God is a God who delivers. Now in the Old Testament, they always looked back to the Exodus. That was the one event by which they identified the deliverance of God. But for us, church, we look back at the Exodus as simply a trailer for coming attractions. We see the Exodus as the preparation for something greater. We see the Exodus pointing us to the cross where Jesus Christ has set us free from the slavery to sin and to death. And we praise God for His deliverance. For in the cross and the resurrection, we were pardoned from our sins, delivered from death because Jesus Jesus Christ bore the wrath of God for our sake upon the cross so we can rest assured that the deliverance of God will never change. His faithfulness will never be altered and His steadfast love is secure. What that means is there is no problem, no circumstance, no difficulty, no grief so great to remove you from the love of God in Jesus Christ. Therefore, no matter what type of day we are having, no matter what problem you are encountering, you and I can Say in the words of the old spiritual, Oh, happy day, oh, happy day, when Jesus washed my sins away, when Jesus washed my sins away, oh, He taught me how to watch, fight, and pray, and live rejoicing every day. Come on, congregation, don't you know He is alive, and there is reason to praise Him no matter what. We need to have the boldness and the attitude of the late NFL player Reggie White. Reggie White was a mountain of a man and he had a heart and a faith greater than the size of his physicality. This young man, even as a high school student, felt called by God to preach. And he prophesied even as a young man. He said, one day I will play in the NFL so God will give me a platform by which to spread his word. In fact, spread his word, Reggie White did, known as the Minister of Defense. I've heard testimony of what took place one day when Reggie White was a freshman at the University of Tennessee. It was a hot August afternoon when they had just finished two-a-days. Now, if you're a football player and you just finished two-a-day practices in August, there is one thing on your mind, and it's not praying. As they were getting ready to walk off the field, Reggie White called everybody back. He said, wait a minute, wait a minute. And because Reggie White was Reggie White, standing at six foot five, 298 pounds, even as a freshman in college, they listened to him. It's good to know God's on your side and you're a large person. They gathered around and Reggie said, we're going to pray. Bow your heads. And Reggie White started his prayer and he said this, Oh God, Heavenly Father, I thank you, O Lord, for how hot it is today on this practice field. I thank you, Lord, it's this hot because it reminds me that hell is real and I ain't going to be there. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. To praise Him. And His praise is on our lips. Prayer should be also. That's the second fundamental in verse 17. 
Prayer is communication with God and is the foundational activity of the Christian life. The time of Paul when they would start out to pray, when pagans would begin to pray, non-believers, the majority of their prayers as recorded in antiquity would be to convince the gods to be favorably disposed to us. They would spend the majority of their time trying to convince the false gods, be, hear me, listen to me. Church, we do not have to spend time convincing God to listen to us. He is already, by His grace, favorably disposed to me and to you. He already loves us because we read in His Word, even when we were sinners, He died for us. And because God is gracious, that communication we have with Him cannot be broken or severed. You know the frustration that occurs when communication doesn't work? You ever gotten mad when you picked up your cell phone to make a call and you look and there is no signal? How can we put a person on the moon and there is no signal for my cell phone? Oh God, I call down wrath upon AT&T and all the characters because there is no signal for my phone. No, y'all have never felt like that, have you? What about when the internet doesn't work? We're going to miss out on something because the internet... It's broken. Let it not be. Let never words be uttered upon your mouth that the internet's not working. No. Prayer will never break down. You're never out of the coverage of prayer. If prayer breaks down, it's because you and I are not praying. If the communication's not there, if it feels broken, it's because we have not bent our knees before God. Now, the temptation is only to pray when we feel the need to pray. Let me ask you, how do your relationships go when the only time you talk to a person is when you have a need? Usually not very well. You see, prayer is to be a constant presence in the life of the believer. And that's why he says, pray without ceasing. How do we do that? Last I checked, we're not in a monastery. How do we pray without ceasing? And I think Paul is making the point that the attitude and the dependency of prayer should permeate all that we do. We should be so immersed in prayer that when people are around us, it's like they've walked into the house on Thanksgiving Day. Now, this Thursday, some of you are going to walk in the house, and the moment you open the door, you are going to get hit by smells that will make your nose dance. You will praise God. You've not seen the food. You've not witnessed it being made. But you know it's there. Christian, our lives should be so permeated with prayer that the very scent of it is on us. That when people are around us, they know they are in the presence of a person who talks with God regularly. Prayer should never be the last resort. It should be an ongoing conversation with God that, yes, there are times of intense prayer where we are alone and we are on our knees. We need that. But there should also be the constant conversation with Him that goes throughout our day where we are praying and confessing, Lord, I need you. Lord, I need you. Lord, I need you. Lord, be glorified. Lord, I need you. Lord, I've got this conversation coming up. Give me wisdom. Lord, I don't know how to respond to this. Give me wisdom. Lord, there are things I want to say. Help me not to say them, oh God. You be at work, Lord, constantly, consistently, without stopping. Now notice the pattern. We praise God. We pray to God. And there is the, the insight in this scripture that this prayer is intercession. Because notice the next command in, chapter, in verse 18. Give thanks. Thank God. 
The implication is thank God for how He has answered our prayer and thank Him for His consistent character. Thanks is a feeling of gratitude for kindness received, the acknowledgement of a gift. And once again, giving thanks is something I don't think we have problems with. It's the next phrase, in all circumstances. That's the hard part. Now I want you to notice what this does not say. It does not say give thanks for all circumstances. There are things that are hard. Things that we encounter that it would be insane to say, Lord, I thank you for this. That's not what this text says. But it says, in the midst of. That's how our circumstances don't overtake us. Because in the midst of them, we still thank God. Now, the first question is, for what? I'm glad you asked. First thing we can thank God for is this. He is accomplishing His purpose. We are not outside of God's sovereign plan even when difficulties arise. We can thank Him because God is going to accomplish His purpose. Now I want you to remember this. Just because you and I cannot see a purpose does not mean there is not a purpose. We are limited. God is unlimited. Now I want you to keep this in mind. The next time you walk into, if people even walk into banks anymore whenever you're at a customer service place and go to the next slide I want you to remember this when you see that the unimpressive pen a pen so valuable it is chained down wherever it is located a pen cost less than 60 cents to make it's been made for over 60 years either in Wisconsin or North Carolina by by people who are blind and it's been made to the same specific specifications for well over 60 years it's a pen you write with it however in the past 60 years since its development that pen has been used by pilots when navigational equipment went down to use to chart a course by its very length to be sure they were flying in the right pattern that pen has been used by US military forces to create a fuse for a bomb that pen has been used by medical personnel to create an emergency tracheostomy. I don't see those purposes when I look at it. Now, if you and I, in our finite, limited minds, can look at a, an unimpressive pen and can navigate by it, can do emergency tracheostomies, and can make a fuse for a bomb, don't you think God is working in your circumstances to accomplish purposes you've never even dreamed of? That's why we can thank Him. That's why we can say, Lord, this pain, it's hard, but Father, I thank You because there is a purpose in it. And then, if that wasn't enough, we can thank God because he, there is a hope of future grace. In this same letter to the Thessalonians, Paul says, we grieve, but we grieve with hope. He doesn't disavow the grief. He says we grieve, but our grief is of a quality that is filled with hope. So we thank God that even in the midst of our circumstances, there is a hope that transcends them that our sickness does not have the last word. That our problems are not permanent. That death is only a temporary enemy that God has already defeated and one day will drive the stake in the ground where death itself is buried and is no more. So therefore we can thank God. We can turn our, circumstance, our gaze from our circumstances up to Him and find hope. And that's why He says, this is my will. 
Because God's glorified in that. And when God is glorified, we are most satisfied. In the midst of those circumstances, praise Him. Pray to Him. Thank Him. And see if there is not a joy that begins. It may begin faintly, but it will grow as you praise, as you pray, and as you thank Him. And notice the key of this is Jesus Christ. This is God's will in Christ Jesus. He's the center point that brings these things together. I see the character of God in Jesus. I pray because Jesus Christ is my intercessor. And I thank Him because of the resurrection. I know that deliverance has and will occur. Therefore, let praise, prayer, and thanksgiving be on our lips. Pastor H.B. Charles tells of a woman who showed up at his church Sunday after Sunday faithfully. And every time, whether it's in Sunday school or a congregational setting, when she was called on to pray, she would always say the same prayer. Oh Lord, thank you Jesus. Week after week, Sunday after Sunday. And after a while, it got to be a little bit of a joke. Kids would start to giggle whenever she would pray, Oh Lord, thank you Jesus. And finally, somebody asked her, Ma'am, why do you pray the same prayer every time? She said, well, I'm just combining the two prayers that I know. My daughter and I live in a bad neighborhood, and some nights there are bullets flying, and I have to grab her and hide on the floor. And as we're laying there hiding, all I know to pray is, Oh, Lord. But when I wake up in the morning and I see that me and baby girl are safe, I say, Thank you, Jesus. When I take her to the bus stop in the morning, and she gets on that bus. I don't know what's going to happen to her the rest of the day. So I pray, oh Lord. And then at 3 o'clock when she gets off the bus and I hug my baby girl, I say, thank you, Jesus. Those are the only two prayers I know. So when I come to church and I see that God's been so good to me, all I can think of is to put my two prayers together and say, oh Lord, thank you, Jesus. Oh Lord, thank you, Jesus. Oh, Lord, thank you, Jesus. I wonder if our prayers were put together, what would they say? It's not a bad model. Oh, Lord, thank you, Jesus. I want to ask you to bow your heads with me. It's been my prayer that this morning would be an encouragement to you to engage in the discipline. That's right, the discipline of setting your mind to praise, to pray, and to thank Him. Not based upon feeling. But to make a commitment that says, Every day I'm going to make it a priority to praise God. To pray. And to thank Him. Now you may need to make a little more formal commitment. And to that end, Nathan and I are going to be down in the front. If you want someone to pray with you, maybe you're feeling the weight of life is so great, you don't know that you can make it. And sometimes we all need to hear that other voice say, I'm praying for you. Nathan and I will be here in the front to do that. The Lord may be leading you to unite with Trinity this morning as a church home. Or maybe you need to talk about salvation. As I talked about deliverance this morning, to you you don't understand that. But there's something in your mind, in your curiosity that has peaked about what it means to follow Jesus. Nathan and I would be glad to talk with you about that. So in just a moment, we're going to stand and we're going to sing. Give thanks to the Holy One. Now, congregation, after this prayer, I ask you to put into practice what I just preached. 
This is a time to give thanks and to praise. So let's do that. Father, thank you for being faithful in your love. Thank you, Father, for having a purpose in everything we encounter in life. And thank you, Father, for the hope of future grace. We pray this in the name of Jesus, our Savior. Amen. Let's stand together. If you need to respond, step out as we begin.